Hey, my name is Blake Morrow. In just a moment, I'm going to be joined by Quasar from the Spanish Trade-Off Show. We're going to be unpacking, analyzing, and navigating all the big themes, landmines throughout the market. And believe me, there's a lot. We have a jobs report this week on Good Friday when no one's going to be in front of the computer. So remember, if you like what you hear, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of this exclusive content. And with that being said, let's jump into the trade-off. Well, traders, my name is Blake Morrow, as you know, and we are missing Chris Weston this week. He is driving across country with three kids, 10 hours to go visit his father-in-law. And boy, don't you feel bad for those kids? <laughs> I sure do. Anyway, without further ado, I want to bring in Quasar from the Spanish Trade-Off Show. Good to see you, Quasar. How are you? Damas y caballeros, muchísimas gracias por la invitación a este evento del trade-off. Uh, es uh, verdad. Oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Stop, stop the, stop the trade. Wait, this is this is the the trade-off show, not in Spanish. We're going to speak English today, my friend. How are you? Oh boy, I got my, I got things crossed a little bit. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's been <laughs> it's been a good day for sure. But happy to be with you all, boss. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be taking and filling on on your big shoes. It's it's the uh, it's truly a pleasure to be here and, and I hope that you'll like it. For those in the audience, please give it a thumbs up. Make sure that my boss knows that I'm doing a, a good job. And I mean, we have a lot of things to cover today, Blake. We sure do. And you know, I, I want to say I love where you're broadcasting from. Is that Casa Le Quasar? La Hacienda. <laughs> <laughs> well, hacienda. from La Hacienda. That's great. You, you know, the, the thing is, is today's trade-off is coming straight from North America. So we're going to jump on into it, and I'm going to let you take the, take the uh, reins with the first topic, Thunder. All right, Blake. Well, I would like to start Topical Thunder by bringing up a topic that, to me, it's kind of really interesting, and it goes in line with the risks that are ahead in the markets. And... Uh, personally, I've had a really hard time just jumping into the boat of taking on risk on. And the reason because of that is just I look to the horizon and realistically, I just see a bunch of different risk thematics out there. And that has just mainly made it so difficult for me to, to take on risk. And uh, this I'm taking it as, a, as an exercise because, you know, whenever you get to just talk to one person, you might start getting into some biases. So hearing from you, what do you think? Where do you see all these risks taking play? It's, it's pretty important. And I just wanted to start bringing them up like the ones that I have kind of like put on their radar and to begin with energy shock i think opec um and they have proven over this weekend right that they're um it's not in their best interest to do what it's the best for the west and they're gonna like keep on looking for their own interests and that's just from my pers personal perspective it's gonna keep on complicating the mission of the federal reserve with regards to inflation another one is we have started to see economic points you know on the negative front not like beating up expectations as, as a contrary actually below expectations we have we we are entering in that phase of a slowing economy the debt ceiling it's something that you know it's a topic that we started at a pretty strong foot uh, at the beginning of the year but you know it has slowly given you know what happened with the banks you know going in the background but i feel like it's going to be one that it's going to start haunting us again the fed 
the Fed, it's literally, and how I see it, they have, they're coming up from a mistake in terms of miscalculating inflation, their frame of reference, what happened in the seventies. So therefore I think that they're going to, they're going to keep on metal on the pedal or pedal to the metal in terms of, you know, with their tightening monetary policy. In addition, world fragmentation, China, it's clearly trying to challenge the current world order. So all of these factors to me have been of great, or when I see all of this, it's for me to, of great difficulty just to, okay, yeah, this is a time to buy on, risk on. Yeah, well, you know what, you bring up some great points. Let, let's start with like crude oil. So the, the, the crude oil or the OPEC shock over the weekend, that's a big deal. I mean, President FO, I'm gonna say FOMC member, governor, excuse me, Bullard, he said it's going to make their job a little bit more difficult moving forward. I mean, you know, when when the Fed's trying to squash inflation and then you got, you know, crude oil rising. And I don't know about where you live, but where I live and, and people in my teams that are in Europe, they'll tell you the same thing. Energy costs haven't really gone down. So this is only going to make the problem worse. Then on top of that, as you mentioned, the debt ceiling where we've got we've got, um, you know, uh, former President Trump in the headlines. Uh, it's going to make I mean, the the political uh, awareness right now of the debt ceiling, it's going to be a big issue moving forward with politicians. And so therefore, the Fed and everybody and the markets, for that matter, uh, slowing economy, you're right. Economic data. And I'll wrap this up here in just in a second. But economic data, like we're going to get right into the ISM here in a moment. But you got the ADP jobs reports, you got economic data starting to slow, but inflation is still well above the Fed's target. So I think you're right in making that assumption not to be chasing risk up at these levels. And if you look at the last six months of price action, we're just at the upper end of the range, not even the upper end of the range, but we are closer to the upper end of the range of the markets. Why would you be chasing risk up here? That I guess that would be my question. So I think you're right on, you're on the right track, even you know with, with all of your thoughts and ideas. So thanks for bringing all those up. I think they're all very, very big talking points for the for the weeks ahead. Speaking of the weeks ahead, let's talk about what happened today with the ISM PMIs. Now, those PMI numbers, they came in well below expectations. And the, the new orders component of the, the PMIs came in below or 10 points below, 10 over 10, over, it's like almost 10 and a half points uh, lower. I mean, that is a serious, serious contraction. Then you've got prices. Prices did come down, but they might risk stagflation. We're going to talk about that just here in a second. But there's a, a backlog of orders also. So the ISM data was poor. You had the ADP jobs report came in weaker than expected. It all points to a weaker jobs report on Friday, which we'll get into next. But when you take all of this into account, you've got weakening economic data. And the Fed is going to be faced with, what do you do in this situation? Do you... Do you actually lower rates while inflation is still running well above the target? Or do you risk a slowdown and a major slowdown in the economy? I think we are really kind of walking just aimlessly towards a recession. And that poses a lot of risk for the markets because, you know, if you if we get into a stagflation environment where employment, we start to lose jobs. That's when we start to lose jobs and we start to see a contraction in growth. And inflation is still above 2%. That's stagflation. And in a stagflation environment, I think the last one that we were in, and somebody can correct me in the comments down below if my numbers are off, but in the late 70s, early 80s, 
The last time we were in a stagflation environment, I think the S&P sank by 40%. So that's a really big issue when you go back to the, our previous topics that you just brought up. So what are your thoughts about the economic data that just was released today and really over the last week or so? No, definitely. To me, the biggest concern here is we're talking about the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy is a service economy. And when you start seeing service contraction, we haven't entered yet in a contractionary territory. However, whenever you start seeing a slowdown there, that's when trouble hits home. As I mentioned, I think that's the key point to take away from this. And will the Fed take the risk on actually keep on hurting the economy? I just take it, I see it, where are they coming from? What's their beliefs? What is what they're trying to amend? And to me, it's all like leaning towards them making a mistake. It might be the, the level, the correct level to stop right here. However, I think they're trying to make a name for themselves to actually to um, preserve their authority, if you will. And I think that's where the, the risk might, or the error may be, may be coming from. And unfortunately, I think that that's going to continue on affecting the economy and something that we have started to see. I want to bring up a point here, Blake, because I think that we are barely scratching yet the impacts. Because if we get to see what realistically or the time period that it takes for a hike to affect the economy, it's about 12 to 15 to maybe even longer than that. So we are just starting in that slowdown of the economy itself by the rate hikes that they have taken or that took place since last year. Yeah, that's right. The, 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 those those rate, rate hikes are going to really start to bite the economy moving forward. So a lot to talk about, um, but I think you should probably take us into our next topic today. It is one that I personally think as the key to the problems from an inflationary standpoint. Why is that? I personally believe that as long as people keep on their jobs, hey, they're gonna have a budget. And with that budget, they're gonna go spend. And if we are talking about the US economy, that's the that's the main engine. So I think for inflation or kind of like jumping into a topic that might not be this one in specific, I think this is the key. Now, what is it going to happen? I want to bring to you a couple of interesting factors because, yeah, it is expected that we're going to be seeing a slower number in terms of the job creation where the expectations right now that the U.S. economy is going to create 240,000 new jobs coming from previously generate, having generated 311,000. It has beating up expectations over the last 11 prints. Now, having said that previously, <laughs> I think now we're starting to see the labor force starting to get some impacts, right? From all this tightening cycle. Last week, we saw initial claims to jump. Yesterday, a massive, massive, which this one is taking into account February. However, nonetheless, it's telling you something about the labor market, right? Jolts considerably the basically those openings that are right there jobs that are available considerably dropping per, underneath that 10 million it's lowest level in almost two years so therefore i think uh, it, it's gonna be an interesting one and actually one other thing that i want to add here it's falling on a friday where as you mentioned nobody's gonna be really on the screen so yeah, that's 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 going to be the biggest that that's going to be one of the biggest issues right it's like i can't believe the bureau of labor and statistics didn't think this one through uh releasing this data i mean why didn't they just push it out one more week they're they're going to be all the european banks are closed uh, you're good friday no one's going to be around as far as the rest of the world 
of course you're going to have traders like you and I that are around, but that's going to be that's going to mean there's very low liquidity. I'm in more of the manage open positions standpoint and keeping dollars out of my open positions going into the news. That's really my, going to be my approach. But I, eleven data points, eleven last NFPs. The 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 U.S. jobs for uh, jobs um, data have have impressed. The numbers headline numbers come in better than expected, and we are seeing anecdotal data and anecdotal things that are suggesting that that data may come in a little weak. I wouldn't be surprised about it, and especially with the dollar sitting near like cl close to this year's lows or trend lows. It's a big risk going into this Friday. It's going to be a big one, Quasar, and I and I and I think that you know navigating through it. I think you got to if you're going to be trading, trade small, be nimble, as as Chris Westy or as Westy always says, trade like a ninja. You know, be small, be nimble. Don't stick around. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. I can throw so many different uh, sayings out there, but NFP is going to be a big shocker this week, right? I think it's one just to stay stay away. I mean, there's going to be a market next week. So if you can avoid it, why not? There you go. The market will always be there. That's one thing right. you should always remember. All right. Well, let's go. Let's jump into the last topic today, which is a big one. And this is the one that I've been kind of trading off of for the last, you know, several months is we have the big BOJ changeover. It happens this weekend. Kuroda will pack up his things after a decade long reign of the BOJ being crazy Kuroda and being drunk at his podium. You know, he's gone. He'll be leaving his office on Friday, Monday morning. We're going to get Ueda. He's going to be coming in. We don't know a lot about this new incoming BOJ governor. I'll tell you a couple of things that I've found out about him that I, that I found out over the last couple of weeks. You know, he is an academic. He uh, he he's, he got his PhD at MIT. He also was a um, he was also a professor at, in in BC, British Columbia, and Canada at the um, uh, University of BC. And then also the University of Tokyo, Tokyo, he became dean of, econ of the economics facility. And he's currently dean of Women's University in Tokyo, chief counselor of the Institute for Monetary and e Economic Studies in Japan. So he is quite the academic. But in 2016, he also wrote, and now this is 2016, we are in 2023. So this is nine years ago. He said the BOJ's ultra easy policy seemed to be reaching its limits. And... <laughs> You know, when you have like comments like that, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like like how does he feel right now? And and my 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 stance has been, look, to get the job, he probably had to say things that he needed to say to get the job. But once he's once he's commanding the helm of the BOJ, his actions are going to speak louder than words. They're going to have a big, you know, yield curve control uh, April twenty seventh and twenty eighth at their first BOJ meeting. What are your thoughts on this epic? massive changeover that the BOJ is going through. I think the approach that the BOJ has to take is one where it, they proceed in a very cautious way. If what the Fed has done over the last year is of any help, if you proceed too aggressive, you're going to break things. Now, if you think or you take into account that the BOJ has gone even harder with all that they have acquired in terms of quantitative easing and all of those things, they might actually break way, way more things that has happened here on the West. So definitely my standpoint is one where they have to be very cautious in how they proceed out of this 
ultra super ultra um, loose policy. Uh, one of the things that I want to uh, kind of like go back into what happened is kind of like, of course, you all may know probably, you know, the experiment. I think what happened with Japan was experiment. And what we can take from it is that quantitative easing might alleviate the stresses when the market is, you know, going under tension. Nonetheless, it has not realistically proven to be a tool. Obviously, taking into account just what is or what has happened in Japan to uh, conjure or to mo- initiate inflation, spark inflation, if you will. That's one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up. Um, and yeah, with that, we we wrap up this topic, an interesting one, and that culminates uh, basically an era of it will be the last one, right? The, the last standing um, central bank with ultra low or loose monetary policy. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to leave it with one last comment. You know, the great thing for those of you that are in Asia and and, and in Australia and different parts of the world uh, on, on that side of the world where I know uh, our viewers are very heavy in the, the, the trading and the markets in, in the Asian markets are going to get way more exciting in 2023. So buckle buckle your seatbelts, folks. It's going to be fun. All right. You know, Quasar, let's move in into the uh, charts that are really making waves in this week's markets. All right, Blake. Well, I'm going to start this one. And let me tell you, finally, that we have, I love, I love to see what's going on around the world to, you know, make sure that I have my fundamentals on point. But when we get to talk about technicals, here's where I feel more comfortable. So <laughs> let me tell you, let me, I'm going to show you here a chart that I think is really good from the standpoint of a technical standpoint. Nonetheless, I think it has to be one where you have to be extremely cautious. OPEC has proven that they'll bite if they want. <laughs> They're going to inflict a lot of damage when they do their decisions. Nonetheless, gosh, what what better levels can you have on this one where you have a straight up resistance at 82? This We're talking about the US, um, US oil. And on the bottom, we have a gap. So basically, you have the price of oil limited on both sides. And based on what the reaction is going to take place, I think we may get a better clarification on where could oil potentially be heading to. I don't know if you want to add anything to this chart. I personally think it's a great one from the standpoint, from a purely technical standpoint, nonetheless, one that you have to be very careful if you plan on trading on. Yeah. You know, you know, Quasar, I like the, well, I like a couple of things about the chart. First of all, it's a gap. Uh, and, and gaps love to be filled, but, and I, and there's no time, there's no set time when gaps can be filled. I've, I've seen gaps fill a year later. So, um, but it's a very, very big gap. The one thing is we can get a gap and run. So a move above like 82, 83 bucks, I think is going to signal that we got a lot of high, we got a lot higher prices and we're going to, we got some squeezing to, to do. Um, but at, at the same time, OPEC's been pretty, pretty strong handed in, in their, in their production cuts. And so I think any dip to fill that gap, I think you got to be buyer. You got to be a buyer. So I, I like, I like the crude setup. I was more on the bearish camp, but obviously the events of this last weekend really shifted my thought process on crude. So there's yeah, my they're, take. They're, they're going to defend the price. Um, want to be careful too, because when you make into the equation, the economic slowdown, hmm. It, it, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one. But what do you what what, what do you have? Because I feel like you have something else on the well, energy front. 
Well, I'm gonna, I, I do. And let's move over to natural gas. And let's take a look at this chart that has my attention. And it is just, you know, this is where it comes to technicals, right? I'm not like you. I, I, I'm not a big fundamentals as far as nat gas goes. I know that the weather has been predominantly warmer than people have expected in the, the Northeast and in Europe. And I know that, you know, the production levels have been high, but they're basically giving away nat gas at these prices. And you can see that very, very big divergence on relative strength. That doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be a buyer here, but there's some clear cut resistance. If you look at the price action from the last week or two, comes in right around $2.20 uh, where, where natural gas is trading about $2.20. We're trading around $2.04, $2.05 right now. If we can get a foothold about, about above $2.20, $2.25, I think we might get a little move higher, especially once you make a new technical low, but without relative strength following. That divergence does suggest that we will get the next move should be higher. At least that's where the risk ICMR. What are your thoughts on this chart? Well, I got to start with a negative divergence between price action and oscillator. I personally never use oscillators just by themselves, but how I prefer to incorporate them is whenever they show a divergence. To me, it's like it's losing steam. And here, okay, just just because something it's losing steam doesn't mean that it can continue on going in that direction. So it's just the first indication if price action were to jump above that 50 period moving average, I think that's that's your signal right there to actually take on some longs on that. Definitely, of course, with your due protection, use one of those higher lows or lows, uh, well-established lows as a potential stop loss. And yeah, I, I personally love negative that negative divergence. It's a, it's a really good chart, something, something to keep an eye on, definitely. You know, and that's what these uh, setups are, right? They're all setups for things that we can keep an eye on that we can think we can take advantage of here in the coming trading session or sessions, right? <laughs> right. All right. Take us to your next one. I have one that has given me a lot of heat internally here at Pepperson. Not a lot of people like me doing tentacles on the bigs, but from what or from its predictive power and how markets have reacted to it i think it's a good one it's one to keep an eye and yeah whenever we were um at the bottom of this channel previously we got a spark on 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 the bigs mainly because of what was happening with the crisis on the banking front um once again we are pushing against that low level or that uh support level of this upward channel i think and just kind of like seeing where we might be heading to and now that we are starting to talk about recession and it might get to the nerves of investors i think that we might be potentially be heading again to a period of stress in the markets i don't know i don't know i, I want to begin asking you how do you feel about technicals on the bigs well first of all i i you know i'm glad that you asked because if you follow me via twitter i i actually posted a chart similar to this where we were approaching a big support zone in the vix and the the thing that I said, and this was like last week at some point, maybe Thursday or Friday, I'm like, this is not the time I want to be chasing the markets higher. And so when you earlier in, in our earlier uh, conversations, Quasar, you were like, I don't know if I really want to chase the markets higher here. This chart alone tells me, hey, you got to be a little bit more careful at the at these levels, trying to buy stocks up at these levels. So VIX is at, you know, it's it's at a, you know, kind of a kind of a level where we tend to get some reaction from. And I think that's a that's a really nasty mix. Should there be some sort of scare in the market, like let's say the jobs report 
on Friday is horrible and mm. the market might Land first in a negative trend. <laughs> yeah, we might well let's let's just let's not get crazy now, but let's say we <laughs> we 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 don't create any jobs or maybe we create 50,000 jobs or something where it freaks the market out. That volatility is going to probably bounce from there that level and there's a lot of ETFs that you guys can trade uh for yeah. for for higher VIX prices, right? Completely agree. Yeah. And All actually, right. We, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to add one other thing that I actually, and it kind of like makes me be as skeptical about taking on too much risk. If treasuries right now with no effort at all are giving you 5% and you on average are hoping to jump into buying stocks for an 8 to 9%, I don't see the risk reward right there. And it's one of the, one other one that kind of like, oh, shoot, is it the right idea to be? you know, putting myself on that, that much risk. But anyhow, you have something about the DAX that I really like. Why don't you present yeah. your... Yeah, let's jump over to it. And this is for the fourth time, uh, I think, since the existence of the trade-off. I'm going to say or ask the question, is the DAX dead? Because <laughs> it's a it's a running joke here. It seems like I always pick on the German DAX. And, and if you're German, don't take offense to this. It's just the fact of the matter is, I think it's a, a, a really well-performing... Uh, uh, um, um, index, but I think it trades really well. And it really kind of showed its cards this last new high. We made a new high this week or early this week. We pierced above that resistance. You can see that in the circled area, we reversed. And that reversal is suggesting that that uh, that we might be moving lower, especially after making a new high. You know, false breakouts usually, usually lead to breakdowns, but that RSI is once again, very divergent. I think getting down to the 50 DMA, is not going to be much of a problem, but we're also longer term making a lower high. And that, I think that's when you're talking about an index and everybody's like, oh, the outperformance of the DAX. Yeah, it is outperforming North American markets, but we also might be creating a lower high longer term. What are your thoughts on the DAX here, Quasar? I straight up love this chart. Let me begin by saying you have a horizontal resistance. Those are ideal in terms of you establishing a clearly and well-defined level and where you're wrong. If it breaks above this level, you're wrong. You have a Fibonacci, at, and which is the 80, 88 right there, the, basically the last resort in terms before the full-on correction. Negative divergence. Oh my God, I think, I, I think if you were to ask me, hey, out of, one out of 10, what, well, how will you rate this chart? I will put it at 10. I think it has everything from a technical standpoint and where you may initiate a trade. Now, um, taking the perspective of risk off, I think I, I, I like it from that end too. I think we might be heading to some stress in the, in the market. So that might favor this chart. Well, you know, and you bring up a great point that, you know, risk is defined and as traders, that's, Really, the one thing that we can control is knowing where we're wrong. And if we're wrong, which if you would have seen my PL this last week, you would know I'm wrong at times, definitely. So when you're wrong, you're wrong. You get out, you take your loss, and knowing where your risk is is vitally the most important thing when you trade. Hey, you know, Quasar, this has been fun, but we're not done yet. Let's get into what our plays of the day are. So stick around. This week, I'm bringing you the not so mighty peso. So, kind of like, <laughs> I mean, it's been one really good. It's actually the best performing EM uh, emerging emergency emerging 
market currency mainly because of the high yield that it's offering the carry on it it's amazing however it's one like the party is all cool until they turn off the lights and if we had again appeared with risk off the peso might be one where it gets sold off and it just look at what happened when the banking situation happened it literally exploded to the upside I think it's a good one from the standpoint that if realistically we get another period, which seem a couple of things may be heading in that direction where risk of might be starting. I think the peso is going to be affected. We have a clearly well-defined level of invalidation of this trade. I think in this initial case scenario, we might be heading to that trend line coming up from the highs of July last year. So it's one, it might not be the best risk reward ratio. I would like this one to be above two. It's at 1.5, but it's 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 a good one in the sense that it has some fundamentals that back it up and clear, well-defined technical levels. I love it. You know, Quasar, I love trading the dollar mech, so I'm glad you brought that one up. And my play of the day, hey, I'm going to be playing this changeover between the BOJ governors this weekend, and uh, I'm looking at the euro yen. You can see we're in a very well-defined symmetrical triangle. And the, notice the upper wicks from this week. We keep failing to break above that triangle resistance. By the way, the euro dollar, we closed right at 109 below a broken trend line that went back all the way to 2021. That's going to weigh on the euro. If the yen catches a bid, you know, with the new BOJ, BOJ uh, Governor uh, Ueda coming in, maybe some comments might even, might even give us a little bit of luck. But we break back below that 200-day moving average, and we should put the bottom end of that triangle back in play. And over time i think that the yen is going to be strengthening i do i do believe it's going to be more of a, a yen trade it doesn't matter what cross you're trading against whether it's the euro the aussie the kiwi obviously some are going to perform better than others in risk on risk off environments however i think the yen is set to strengthen as we get a new boj governor taking the helm of the boj and i'm looking forward to this next week so euro yen that's my play of the day and i want to say quasar Man, it was fun. It was fun hanging out with you today. It was our first time doing a show together. And let's let's not let the cat out of the bag, but I think the North American shows might end up dominating the European shows, the European trade-off with Mr. Michael Brown and Ryan Littlestone. I think we're going to knock them out of the park. What do you think? I think so, too. And this is one for Michael to hear, definitely. Hey, buddy, I think we might have a new best trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Quasar, I want to say thanks for thanks for being with us today. And I want to thank all of the Pepperstone viewers and all of you, all the clients that are listening in right now. Remember, don't forget to do your own homework, do your own due diligence before you take any of these trades. Make sure you smash that like button, as, as Westy likes to say. Subscribe to the channel. You don't want to miss any of these trade-off shows. And Westy will be back next week in the hot seat. Quasar, it's been fun. You guys have a great day. Thank you all for having me. Have a good one.